Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC. Through the lens of Mississippi, I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi state writer. Dalton, how are you, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I'm, uh, I, I can't lie, I'm a little confused at some of the stuff that happened last night in the draft. You know, as a, as a Saints fan, I've been a little lost on some of their picks the last few years. And uh, there's a couple guys on the board still that I think uh, I would have rather to, the Saints pick than who they did, but hopefully it works out for the best for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll see. I, I was watching that as well as a Saints fan, and I'm thinking, you just don't draft a punter, you know. <laughs> you don't do something like that. Uh, and, and I think we're past that, at least in terms of, uh, of the Saints making those kind of draft day decisions. But uh, man, I gotta I gotta find the games. The guy's name was it Peyton Turner? Is that his name? Is uh, did I get that right? Let's see. Yeah, that was a yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. D- defensive end from Houston. See, uh, he he wasn't on my radar. Apparently, he wasn't on the radar of many others either. I, I saw. I was following the draft along uh, on the uh, CBS tracker, and I saw they immediately gave him gave the draft a grade of C, and I thought. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Just because y'all didn't evaluate him that way doesn't mean they didn't evaluate him that way. And look, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, a pick that made me uh, stand up and clap anyway. But we're, I want to talk about the draft here in just a moment. Elijah Moore still on the board, and that surprises some. And I don't know that it's terribly surprising, but he is still out there. The second round begins tonight at six. Folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Registration continues for summer day camp. Uh, you can register online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13, cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Drop-off each day begins at 7.30. Pickup is 5.30. Games, arts and crafts, swimming and outdoor activities are just some of the events campers will take part in daily. And OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at J-A-M-I-E at Oxford Park Commission. Dot com if you have questions or just apply online at oxfordms.net. Uh, Dalton, um, you know, Elijah Moore uh, was always a, a borderline first-round pick if you looked at uh, the mock drafts and, and everything like that. So it's not terribly surprising that he is uh, is still uh, still on the board as the second round begins. I do believe that, that he'll be taken early. Uh, in the uh, in the second round, because the, the guys that drop, you know, lots of times there is off field baggage, or they didn't test well, and there were uh, there were questions about their their uh, their tests in the run up to the draft and things like that. None of the things that you typically uh, assign to a guy who drops, you know, we, we haven't heard a lot of questions about him. We know the the work ethic is there and all those things. There's not an obvious reason that he would drop. So I think he will be uh, taken early uh, in the second round tonight, which begins at six. And, uh, 
I just think uh, the fact that he didn't get uh, picked yesterday was about what teams felt like they needed. Now, uh, I did think that uh, when you when you looked at the wide receivers and uh, the commentary on those guys, it seemed seemed that that he and Kadarius Tony were like that that third and fourth receiver. Okay, that that would be selected, or, or you know, or that fourth or fifth. Everybody kind of agreed on Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, uh, and uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, but that fourth spot, you know, four and five usually was going to come down to Elijah Moore or Kadarius Tony. Well, it went to Tony, and, and then Rashad Bateman was big. Uh, so anyway, Elijah Moore uh, still out there. We'll see. As far as the off the field stuff, Dalton, I had somebody. Uh, uh, suggest that uh, maybe his slide, and, and I'm not calling it a slide yet because, again, he, he was a borderline first-round pick. But uh, I had someone suggest that uh, he's still available maybe because of uh, his 2019 Egg Bowl when he did the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the pee like a dog stunt uh, in the end zone. And uh, I, I don't think that uh, that factors into this thing at all. I think he spent a year – distancing himself uh, from that act. And, and every comment that he has made uh, when that topic has come up has been about uh, more mature now, moving ahead, putting that behind me. And, and his actions have done nothing to to uh, suggest otherwise. Yeah, and I don't think that would be a factor in it, mostly because when you think about in the past, you know, a lot of kids, college kids and college athletes are doing stuff like this nowadays. You think uh, – a few years ago, Baker Mayfield planted the flag at the middle of uh, Ohio State's field, and he was drafted number one overall. You know, no one, no one cared about that. Um, and it's about the same celebration. You know, you know, um, you know, it may, it may look a little different, but it's the same thing. But kind of like what you said a minute ago, I'm I'm not surprised that Elijah Moore did not get picked because he was a borderline first round pick already. Um. But I am surprised because I thought there was a few teams at the bottom of the draft that needed that 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 needed that offensive playmaker or had that need for a receiver, and didn't take it in a different way. One one of those being the Saints. You know, the Saints um, the receiver wasn't the uh, primary need, but uh, they passed on both their primary needs, which I thought was a DB and a receiver to go get defensive end. And then I also thought the Packers. Um, one, of, one of the Packers' primary needs was a receiver, and they passed up on him as well. I think the pick right after the Saints. Um, and so there was a couple of, that I thought that, that kind of surprised me there. That was it wasn't surprising that he wasn't picked. It was surprising that that the needs they didn't feel like that he fit the needs that they needed right there. And that that little surprised me a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't think you know. I have never heard any off the field issues about Elijah Moore. I mean, literally, like you said, the, the worst thing that this kid's done in the last few years that we know of is, you know, fake pee in the end zone in a, in a rivalry game. And that's not even, not even a bad thing to do. You know, it's just, it, it was funny, you know, at the time DK Metcalf did it and it was hilarious. And then Elijah Moore did it and it was hilarious. Unfortunately, it cost him the game that year, but um, it's just something funny that, you know, it, it it worked out and then also it didn't work out and doesn't mean well, it's a bad kid or anything. So I don't think that factors into it too much. Yeah. I'll say this about peeing in the end zone. Uh, DK Metcalf did slide, but he had some of those other things going on, like injury questions, uh, most notably and, and things like that. And peeing in the end zone certainly uh, has not affected DK Metcalf's pro career. And um, look, it's Ole Miss is going to have another. No, another it has receiver. not. 
Yeah, they're going to have another receiver drafted. He's going to be their sixth uh, since 2014. And, you know, in that same time, uh, they've had a couple of, of good tight ends drafted in Dawson Knox and, and Evan Ingram. Ingram going in, in the first round. Uh, you know, these guys have been productive. And I, I know Alabama's receivers get a lot of uh, – get a lot of uh, play, get a lot of talk this time of year, and, and they've been drafted higher, and, and, and they've had productive uh, NFL careers. At all, also, when you look at Amari Cooper and uh, you know Julio Jones, and I, I know I'm leaving out somebody, but um, look, man, uh, these Ole Miss receivers uh, have not only been drafted. Now, Laquan Treadwell has struggled. He, he hasn't been you know, the first-round pick that you expect. Everybody expects big impact from the first-round pick. Uh, I'm not sure if he is still with the Falcons or or what. Uh, hopefully, he gets that turned around and you know and, and can kind of uh, you know, see his uh, NFL career on a, on an upward trajectory. But when you look at uh, Dante Moncrief uh, and and then certainly AJ Brown and uh, and DK Metcalf and, and and throw Dawson Knox in that mix and Evan Ingram, these guys have been productive uh, when they've reached the NFL, and you know some of them now are are bordering you know, star level. Uh, they really, uh, look, uh, A.J. Brown really uh, is expected to kind of uh, take off. And and uh, I know Mel Kuyper kind of uh, was intrigued by the idea of uh, Brown on the outside and Elijah Moore on the inside with the Titans uh, at the 22nd pick. But uh, uh, they went defense. And uh, anyway, uh, the Ravens, I thought, uh, might take him with uh, might take him as that uh, as that fifth wide receiver, uh, but they went with uh, Rashad Bateman. And uh, looking back, some commentary that uh, that I read from some of the Ravens fan sites listed uh, a number of wide receivers that they were interested in, but never listed Elijah Moore. So we'll see where this goes uh, as it kept getting closer to that Saints pick. Uh, I know you were watching. Uh, with interest, I was too. I like the idea of uh, of Elijah in a Saints uniform, but uh, they went defense and kind of in uh, you know, like like we mentioned in, in in Saints mode. Man, they picked somebody that uh, you, you know that they obviously uh, have valued highly uh, that they thought uh, that they think will be a good player, but uh, on the outside, you just like hmm, you know what's what's that about? There was a lot of buzz. I know you saw it too. A lot of buzz for the Saints moving up uh, in the draft, but they never did. Yeah, I kind of thought they would uh, move up and get uh, J.C. Horn, but uh, they, I guess, I think the to get into the top ten from where they were was probably going to cost a little too much in, in trade value or trade picks, however you want to say that. Um, but then I really thought that you know they might get a Sante Samuel Jr. from Florida State at that DB need. Um, of course, now it seems like unless they trade up, he's going to be off the board because he didn't, he didn't get picked last night either. But uh, yeah, I really thought they might grab him. And then I don't think that Peyton Turner's a bad pick. You know, right? You know, whenever you whenever you bolster up the trenches is never a bad idea. I don't feel like. And plus, um, you know, the, the Saints just lost Trey Hendrickson last year after he had a good year. You know, maybe this guy's like a Marcus Davenport. He steps in there. He takes that role, physical guy. It was just weird to see him picked in the first round whenever there was a lot of teams I saw that had him as like a fourth-round grade. And uh, obviously, of course, every team grades different. So that's the reason why some teams have him as a fourth or second and some teams have him as a late first. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea to try to get, the you know, the big guys in there because – I feel like the Saints have, have drafted a lot of big guys in the last few years, and, you know, overall it's worked. So 
But, uh, you know, going to have to fill that cornerback need sometime and get a receiver or something late in the draft maybe because you got to you got a couple needs that you got to fill now. Well, I tell you what, you know, with, with uh, you know, other teams in your division strengthening themselves at, at quarterback as, as obviously the, the uh, Bucks did last year with Tom Brady and, and you see a playmaker at uh, tight end like uh, Kyle Pitts uh, going to the, uh, the Falcons. Look, man, defense, uh, if, if uh, you don't have the quarterback that you want at your spot in the draft, uh, then the next best thing is, uh, is putting pressure on the quarterback and, and uh, maybe uh, uh, Turner allows for this. We'll see uh, where that where that goes. I don't know what the Saints will do now with the rest of the draft. You know, there was also buzz for them trading for uh, Aaron Rodgers, who seems to have indicated that he'd like to leave Green Bay. And I was wondering if uh, if they've got enough in the tank for a package deal, maybe for uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and Jake from State Farm. You know, see if they could get them on board. Um, I like the idea of Rodgers, man. I mean, if, if uh, somehow they could pull that off and, and get him to New Orleans, uh, you know, I, I'd take uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years. Well, yeah, without a doubt. And I think if there's anything that uh, Sean Payton's proved in the last five years, is that cap space is a myth. Um, so you go out there and get him if you want to uh, and then, you know, deal with the consequences later. But I think I saw yesterday where uh, Rodgers had said something or maybe – somebody said something that is top three places where, you know, like San Fran, Las Vegas, and somewhere else. So, uh, so he wants to be the, out the West. Top three, what? He wants to be out West. He was a California guy. That's where he went to school. Yeah. Yeah. I so say, I don't, I don't blame him either. Um, but it looks like those were his top three places. New Orleans wasn't in that. So, uh, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll end up in Las Vegas because uh, San Fran got uh Trey Lance last night. So, you know, maybe they're looking, their quarterback of the future. So I don't know what, I don't know what Las Vegas grabbed last night. If they did, uh, I didn't pay attention that far, but uh, you know, I'm sure they could use another quarterback and be happy about it. Well, maybe uh, the saints could get uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and he could live in Algiers and, and be West of the Mississippi. Maybe that would be enough, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the, what the saints do from here and what happens uh, with Elijah Moore from here. Uh, baseball Dalton of uh, the Bulldogs, Texas A&M, uh, uh, it's not been a stellar year for the Aggies. Uh, is this an MSU sweep? I don't know. You know, I was looking at it, and Texas A&M has not had a great year, but they have avoided a sweep for the most part. You know, they, they look like they, whenever they can, whenever they do play, they're pretty good. Um, because, you know, they, they beat Arkansas one out of three. They beat Tennessee one out of three. They beat Texas. So, like, they've got three wins over top five opponents. Um but state has handled its business against teams that it should sweep. You know, they, they've won the series against Ole Miss 2-1. They lost the series to Vanderbilt 1-2 and then got swept by Arkansas. But the other th- two opponents that they've played or three opponents, whatever it is, um, they swept besides LSU. And so the teams that they should be sweeping, they are sweeping. So it's very possible that it is. But, um, you know, going to have to hit a little better than they did last weekend. But obviously, Texas a doesn't have the Kumar Rockers and Jack Lighters and Nick Maldonados that Vanderbilt has on the mound. So, uh, we'll see what happens. It, it, they're back at home, so I'm sure they're happy uh, they're at home and see what happens tonight. Yeah, and when tonight, you will know be the, tonight will be the biggest one because uh, State struggles against lefties and uh, Texas A&M's ace is a lefty. So, if they come out hitting him tonight, then it's very possible that it's a sweep. Well, when you don't have the rockers and the lighters, it, it makes a big difference. I mean, I wasn't uh, 
uh, overwhelmed by what I saw from State's offense in Starkville a couple of years ago. But they hit. They hit enough. And uh, if you were going to throw fat strikes in the zone like uh, like the Ole Miss bullpen did that day, they certainly hit you and took advantage of that. So, uh, you know, could be a, could be a sweep uh, for the Bulldogs. The sweeps are huge. Uh, Dalton, we know that. And it's kind of what is keeping Ole Miss afloat right now in the conference. Uh, the fact that they won six games uh, over the first two weekends. They haven't won a series since then. So big weekend for uh, the Rebels coming up against South Carolina. And uh, two things of note here after a Zoom call with uh, Mike Bianco on uh, Thursday. One, uh, Gunnar Hoagland uh, will be back in the rotation. He'll start tonight. Uh, first pitch is at 6.30 at Swayze Field. Uh, scratched uh, a late scratch last week from his LSU start with what was described as uh, an excessive uh, stiffness. Couldn't get loose uh, throughout the week, but uh, that seems to have uh, taken care of itself. And, you know, he's just one more guy who has missed a start, has missed some playing time, one more uh, key contributor in what has been an unusual year of injuries for Ole Miss. I think I counted like eight or nine not season-ending injuries, but eight or nine guys, key contributors who have missed at least one start or, or games uh, because of injury. Now, one of those guys, uh, the most devastating really, uh, has been Tim Elko. Uh, when we watch Ole Miss struggle to hit with runners on base right now, uh, they've been trying to hit without the SEC RBI's leader, which is what Elko was when he went down a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, in a non-conference game against North Alabama. Look, he tore his ACL, but, you know, there are different levels of severity for that injury. And uh, they chose to delay surgery and try and rehab him a little bit with the hope that he could come back and uh, really just hit. Uh, anything after that would be a bonus. I, I don't think you're going to see him play in the field, but it is possible this weekend that he could be available for a pinch-hitting appearance. And uh, Mike Bianco left open the uh, possibility that uh, if that goes well, uh, maybe you know maybe he improves to a uh, you know maybe a DH role or, or something that would get him more at bats. Uh, he went on to say, look, running is the issue right now. It's it's the key issue. You're not going to see him legging out any doubles. Uh, you know, I would think that would limit him from playing in the field, but we'll see. I uh, don't know for sure they will use uh, Tim Elko this weekend, uh, but it's a, uh, a possibility. So uh, Ole Miss uh, at home against South Carolina, that's uh, tonight. Uh, uh, at 6.30, then tomorrow night at 6, one of those uh, awful Saturday night games uh, that the conference uh, has, an SEC network game. Uh, Sunday looks like a rain day, so uh, it wouldn't be surprising if they came out and talked about uh, uh, a doubleheader uh, on Saturday. We'll see. Folks, that will wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work online at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. And you can find us on Facebook, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. We'll be back Monday. Come join us.